the hand of Pharaoh. And Pharaoh was very reluctant to do it. Um, But, you know, if you know the story, God moves in miraculous ways and basically freaks Pharaoh right out to the point where he's like, just get out of here. And so 1.5 million people get up and leave. And they come up to the Red Sea. God parts the Red Sea because Pharaoh changes his mind and decides he wants them back. And so they're running now for their lives and they come up to the Red Sea and it looks like it's a dead end and they're trapped except God just, you know, no biggie, parts the sea. They go through the sea, closes it. And so now they're away from Pharaoh and they're safe, but now they're in the wilderness and they're in the desert. And we find them here in Exodus chapter 16 and they're complaining. And you know what? If you ever want to actually look in the mirror, just read the story of the Israelites because everything that they sort of wrestled with in their attitudes and their responses, we wrestle with in the present day. And it just makes me laugh how humanity has not changed in thousands of years. In culture, in different, you know, kingdoms and and wars and famines, we still wrestle with the same attitudes. We're still people. The person next to you is just like you. Most of us are like the rest of us. And so here we find them, they're grumbling in the wilderness because they're hungry. And they say some of the most ridiculous things. They've forgotten, like in a matter of days, the fact that like a week ago they were being flogged and whipped and being forced into hard labor. And they start saying things like this. Verse 2, in the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. And the Israelites said to them, if only we died by the Lord's hand in Egypt, where we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. Like they're romanticizing slavery. Can I just say, it was not better yesterday. It was not better yesterday. Stop talking about the glory days. Today, today, where's God got you? Today. We sat around pots of meat. And ate all the food we wanted, but you've brought us here into the desert to starve this entire assembly to death. And then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you and the people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. In this way, listen to this, in this way, I will test them and see whether they will follow my instructions. On the sixth day, though, prepare what they are to prepare what they bring in, and it's meant to be twice as much as they gather on every other day. So five out of seven days, they gather enough just for that day. On the sixth day, they gather a double portion because on the seventh day, God wants them to rest and not go out and gather. Are you with me? That evening, verse 13, quail came and covered the camp, and in the morning... There was a layer of dew on the, um, around the camp. When the dew was gone, thin flakes like frost on the ground appeared on the desert floor. When the Israelites saw it, they said to each other, What is it? For they did not know what it was. Moses said to them, It is the bread of the Lord that he has given you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. Everyone is to gather as much as they need. Take an omer for each person. That you have in your tent. And the Israelites did as they were told. 
Some gathered much, some gathered little, and when they measured it by Omer, the one who had gathered much didn't have too much, and the one who gathered little didn't have too little. Everyone had gathered just as much as they needed. Then Moses said to them, no one is to keep any of it until the morning. However, some of them paid no attention to Moses, and they kept part of it until the morning. Here's what happens when you withhold But it was full of maggots and began to smell. So Moses was angry with them. Each morning, everyone gathered as much as they needed. And when the sun grew hot, it melted away. On the sixth day, they gathered twice as much. And the leaders of the community came and reported it to Moses. He said to them, This is what the Lord has commanded. Tomorrow is a day of Sabbath rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. So bake what you want. To bake, boil what you want to boil and save whatever is left for the seventh day. That's the one day that you can have a reserve. So they saved it until the morning as Moses had commanded. And this time it didn't stink or get maggots in it. Eat it today, said Moses, because today is the Sabbath to the Lord. And it goes on. Verse 27. Nevertheless, some of the people went out on the seventh day. Well, now told not to. (laughs) To gather some, but they didn't find any. And the Lord said, How long will you refuse to keep my commandments and my instructions? Bear in mind that the Lord has given you this Sabbath. That is why on the sixth day you gather for two days. So they rested. Uh, Verse 31, The people of Israel called the bread manna. It was white like coriander seed and tasted like wafers with honey. And I want to talk about today. The blessed now. So when we look at yesterday, today, and tomorrow, as I was thinking about this over the last few weeks, I mean, the revelation was just flooding my spirit. And I started to think, well, what actually draws someone into yesterday? What draws someone into tomorrow? And what anchors a person in today? I just want to show just a quick diagram of what I thought in my quiet time and speaking to God about this Someone who lives in yesterday lives in a place of ingratitude for right now. Hey, Sam, how'd it go? Awesome. Thumbs up. Someone who lives in yesterday is ungrateful for today. And they're constantly pining for something that once was. And so it's this sense of a lack of gratitude. When you're ungrateful, you have an attitude of entitlement. And that's why they sat there and they're like, we sat around pots of meat. You know, they were entitled. They had this entitlement about them. And what that leads to is like cockroach position, where you're on your back with your legs in the air, kicking and screaming, doing nothing. In action. New South Wales, Sam saying from the front row. Someone had to. Hey, it's Pete's birthday. Happy 50th. What a legend. Amazing, amazing hero of this house. We love you. Happy 50th. Make sure you give him $50 after the service, everybody. (laughs) What was I saying? Inaction. Living in yesterday makes you inactive. It actually makes you incompetent. It makes you, it just, you resign. 
you're living in a place of, I don't see what I have today. All I'm looking at is what I had yesterday. I feel entitled. I feel like I'm being ripped off because yesterday was way better than right now. So I'm just going to sit on my hands and do nothing. People who live in yesterday are inactive. People who live in tomorrow live in fear. I was thinking about this. What drags someone constantly into tomorrow? It's worry and fear and it's unbelief. Is I'm, constantly ha- I'm constantly anxious and preempting the worst and I'm in tomorrow all the time. And, and the fruit of that is not inaction. The fruit of that is works. The fruit of that is I'm taking it into my own hands and I'm striving. Someone who lives in tomorrow lives in fear. And they act out of fear, which is why some of them held on to manna for tomorrow, even though God said, I've got this, they still thought they had a better idea and they held on to it because they were fearful for tomorrow. And so they're holding on to stuff and they're working to try to work it out for themselves. But someone who lives in today, who anchors themselves in today, is in a place of faith, is in a place of trust, is in a place of obedience. And all those things lead to rest. Rest is not in action because you can be diligent in a place of rest. You can be fruitful and faithful and working from a place of rest. But you're not striving and you're not inactive. You're in a place of obedience and you're in a place of faith and trust. And so I was thinking about this, being in today. God tests our trust through our obedience. The depth of your revelation will determine the quality of your response. The depth of revelation you have about God in your life will actually determine the quality of your responses to him. The depth of your revelation, what you understand, what you allow yourself to perceive, will actually determine how you respond. And so I want to come now to the Passion Translation of Hebrews 4, where the author, we don't know who the author of Hebrews is, The author is writing about the people in Egypt in this amazing translation in our current day language. And he writes in chapter 4, Now God has offered us the same promise entering into the realm of resting in confident faith. So he's saying, just like the the, um, Israelites were rescued out of Egypt and were being offered a promised land that was full of rest and full of blessing, We too can come out of the world. We can come out of our bondage. We can come out of our shame and our hurt into a place of promise. So the author is actually drawing a parallel that we've been delivered and our deliverer Jesus has brought us out of captivity into a place that is waiting for us, which is rest and blessing and favor. Listen to this. So we must be extremely careful that we embrace the fullness of that same promise and not fail to experience it. I love that because it says to me, the onus is on me to experience it. 
The onus is not on God for me to experience it. The onus is on me. We have to be extremely careful that we embrace it and we fully experience it. If you're not experiencing the fullness of what God has for you, the onus is you on you. Because he's already done it all. He's already prepared it all for you. There's a reason maybe that you're not experiencing it. We have to be extremely careful. For we have heard the good news of deliverance just as they did, yet they didn't join their faith with the word and activate its power. Instead, what they heard didn't affect them deeply. Powerful. What they heard did not affect them deeply. And they doubted. Verse 6, For those who first heard the good news of deliverance failed to enter into that realm of faith's rest because of their unbelieving hearts. Yet the fact remains that we still have the opportunity to enter into the faith rest life and experience the fulfillment of promise. For God has still still has ordained a day for us to enter into called He's ordained a day for us to enter called today. Today. For it was long afterwards, long after the Israelites were delivered, that God repeated through David, if only, if only today they would listen to his voice and not harden their hearts. Today. Everyone say today. Today, how do we live in today? I've just got three thoughts, faith, trust, and obedience. Faith. If we want to anchor ourselves in today, faith. You need to know God speaks your language. He speaks your language. In Hebrews 3, the chapter before, it talks about the fact that they heard and they still rebelled. And we can hear the Word of God Oh my gosh, precious friends sitting in front of me today. I bust my butt seeking the face of God for you every single week. I wait on the Spirit and I wait on the Scriptures and I ask God, what is it? What is the manner for your people this week? And I know all of our preachers do the same thing. And sometimes we can hear and still walk out unchanged. Oh, it's very quiet in here this morning. We can hear, we can hear the very word of God and still rebel. They heard the word of God. They saw him in miraculous wonders. He parted a Red Sea and they still rebelled. They heard the word of God delivered to them directly and they still had unbelief. And the writer of Hebrews is saying they heard and they still rebelled. And he's saying, you know what? It's clear they did not enter into what God has had for them because they wrapped their hearts in unbelief. Come on. Faith. Let me tell you, Romans 10, 17. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. Faith comes by hearing, hearing what, who and what Jesus Christ is. That's where faith comes, where you hear Jesus, where you hear the good news. 
that's when faith is stirred up. And as I was researching this, I was, you know, I always go to all different sources and I was looking now, okay, what's an omer? Because they measured their day's portion by this measurement called an omer. And I found out that an omer is 3.64 litres. It's a lot. It's a lot to eat in a day. And they would bake it, they would boil it, they would do all sorts of things with it. And every day it was 3.64 litres. It was one-tenth of an ephah, and the ephah was actually an Israelite, ancient Israelite measuring um, term. An omer was not, because an omer had decimals, decimals in it. The Israelis, when they measured, never had decimals. And I found out that the decimal system... The nations that had decimalized systems were Egypt and Assyria. So God has brought the people he loves out of slavery in Egypt, but he understands where they're at. And he speaks to them in a language they understand. He doesn't measure it by Ephah, which was his culture. He measures it by Omer which was the culture they'd just come out of. I want to say to you today, you don't need to be thus saith the Lord language. He will speak to you in a language you understand right now. He meets you where you're at. And he speaks to you in a way that is familiar to you. So that you understand. I thought that was so powerful. He meets us where we're at yesterday. Um... I was getting ready to officiate a wedding. And so Sam thought that he would just go out and get fish and chips for, the, for lunch for the kids. Fish and chips. And Judah comes upstairs because Judah's like my soft little redhead Viking man who is just a mummy's boy. And so he tells me everything he's doing. So he comes upstairs, mum, just telling you I'm going out with dad to get some hot chicks. I was like, do you mean hot chips? And he goes, no, hot chicks. I'm like, awesome. Well, how about you just get some hot chips this time? But I'm more than happy for dad to be the one who approves of the hot chick you bring home one day. Language. Language, it's actually totally unrelated to what I was saying, except it's an awesome story, isn't it? <laughs> About language and speaking um, in accordance to where we're at. And God speaks to us in a language we understand. All that will stop when you're ready. When you're ready, when you're at your promised land and you've been um, refined through the process... And, you know, you will, trans, you will be transformed, you will be equipped, you will experience revelation along the journey. But every step of the journey, he will speak to you in a language that you understand. I love it. God is not after perfection, he's after progress. A very wise man said that. He's just after your progress. And, you know, don't be frustrated with where you're at right now. Be in today. Be in today. You know what? God's okay with where you're at right now. 
and he's speaking to you in a language that you understand. He's after progress, not perfection. Progress. We have to hear what he's saying. And hearing the word of God is actually hearing the message of Jesus. That's the good news. And it is always good news. It is always good news. I'll say it again. In your situation, what you're facing right now, God's word is good news. Whatever it is you're facing, what he has to say is good news. No matter what bad news you're facing, that's not the word of God to you. The word of God to you is always good news. Always. It's always good. It's always yes and amen. It's always your right standing with Jesus. It's his grace. It's his riches for your rags. It's his prognosis over earth's diagnosis. It's always good news. And if your faith is waning, I will guarantee you, you're listening to the wrong news. Or maybe you've heard it and you're still rebelling. I know the word of God says that he's provision, but my bills are saying this. I know the word of God says healing, but the doctor has said this. We hear and still rebel. Hearing the good news and anchoring yourself in the good news allows you to do today in faith. Today. Everyone say today. Today. What have you heard? Do you trust the inner voice of the Spirit in your situation? Have you heard the God whisper over your circumstance? Have you heard it directly? God wants to speak to you directly, not via someone else. Have you heard the God whisper for your situation directly from him? Can you find a quiet place this week to just listen? To hear the good news over whatever it is you're facing. Still all the other voices. Tell them to be quiet and locate yourself in a place where you can hear his voice, his news over your life for today. And that will stir up faith. Anchor yourself in the word of God for your situation. Living in today means we have faith. Living in today means we trust. We trust that he provides what we need. We trust that he provides what we need. Matthew 6, do not worry saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will worry about itself. Just live in today. Trust. Trust that he already knows what you need, and he's giving you what you need today. 
Exodus 16 with the Israelites, they, when they saw it, they said to one another, what is it? For they did not know what it was. The definition of manna is, what is it? What in it? Manna means, what is it? And this hit me like a ton of bricks in my spirit. Manna is a revelation. And that we need to live in a constant, daily place of, what is it today, God? What have you got for me in today? A daily revelation. You may go to the same job every single day, every single week, but God has manna for you today. And you need to walk into that place and go, what is it? What is it? It's not what it was yesterday. It's something fresh today. What is it? It is not a dead-end job. It's not a failing this or a struggling that or a difficult this or a victim mentality that. It's present in your day knowing that today is exactly what God has for you. And you need to walk into it and go, what is it? What is it? Your manner, what you consume today is a revelation. Is a revelation and it can, it can fill you. It should sustain you and it will sustain you if you live in a place of daily revelation. Everything you need, you already have. Do you believe that? No. I want more. I want this and I'm waiting for that. And No. Everything you need, you already have. If you are going to live in today, you need to trust that everything you need is provided by heaven and you already have it. You already have it. And the conversation between you and God might go something like this. God, what is this? What's going on with my career? What's going on with my family? What's going on with my health? What's going on with my finance? God, what is this? And he would respond to you and say, it's what you need for today. He'll respond to you and say, will you allow it to fill you? Will you draw from it all the sustenance and nutrition it has for you? Do you trust me? Do you trust me that what you have right now in your hand is exactly what you need? And tomorrow, tomorrow I'll give you what you need for tomorrow. Do you trust me? Don't worry about tomorrow. Be fully present right now. Be fully present right now. You are not, okay, I hear this way too often. I'm just biding my time. No, you're living in tomorrow. You're not biding your time because where you are right now, God has a plan for you in that right now and a purpose and a revelation and an experience for you and an outworking for you in the right now. You're not biding your time. You are being present right now. You must be fully engaged with today's manner. He's feeding you right now. It's the daily unknown 
revealed to us in bite-sized pieces. It's awesome. What are you pining for in tomorrow that's robbing you of fully experiencing today? What is waiting for you right now in this moment? How can you be more present and more diligent with your right now? And number three, obedience. Obedience is a response to divine love. This was like, whoa, explosion in my brain. Obedience is a response to divine love. I love this. It's, it's when you come to a place in your life where you can honestly say, God, I know you hold my best interests, so I willingly and instinctively obey. When you understand God's supreme love for you, and you understand that you're actually only saved by grace, your response to obey is a no-brainer. It's not a difficult thing. People who have trouble obeying God have not had a revelation of how incredibly and endlessly He loves them. Oh my gosh. King Saul, who knows the story of King Saul? Good king, crazy king, King Saul. And the prophet Samuel who was speaking into his life all the time. So there was this situation where God said to, Sam, to Saul, this is what I want you to do in this situation, A, B, C and D. Saul, because he thought he was really smart and had a better idea, did something different. And it was honourable and noble and amazing and he offered this incredible sacrifice to the Lord. And Samuel comes and he says these incredible words in Samuel, 1 Samuel 15, 22. Hey, buddy, it's better to obey than sacrifice. God's like, I'm not impressed, actually, that you've sacrificed all this stuff because I asked you to do something and you didn't do it. And so I started to look at the difference between sacrifice and obedience. Sacrifice is is when we come with something of ourselves and we give it to God. And sometimes when we're actually sacrificing out of rebellion, we're coming with an entitled heart. It's like paying taxes and going, well, I have rights. And that's what Saul was doing, is look at this beautiful, big, elaborate, fancy sacrifice I'm giving you, God. God's like, no, I'm not impressed with that at all. All I want is your obedience. Sacrifice is like, here's a part of me and it has tags attached to it. Obedience comes from a place of knowing that my life is completely God's. And so whatever He asks for, it's His. Because ultimately He holds me in the palm of His hand. Ultimately I'm saved by grace. I have no problem obeying. And it has, I'm completely, this is a non-issue. My life is His. Can you see the difference? And so obedience is a response to divine love. There are no strings attached. It's just obedience. Sacrifice comes with a sense of entitlement. But obedience is done out of trust and dependence. This is why Jesus said, Anyone who loves me will sacrifice. No. 
Anyone who loves me will. Oh, it's very quiet. Anyone who loves me will. Obey. Obey. If you love me, if we're in love with each other and you know I love you, you'll obey. And then we're, we're cool. Like you're my brothers and sisters and we're in the family together. The Israelites disobeyed God when it came to manna. They gathered more than was struck, they were instructed. They tried to store it up and it began to rot and breed maggots. Hmm. If there's one thing I don't want to go off in my life, it is the provision of God. They also went out on the Sabbath to gather manna. They didn't find any and it upset God because He was waiting for them in their moment of rest. And in our rest, we fall back on our reserves. We fall back on previous revelation and we love on God in that moment of rest. If you trust God with tomorrow, you'll have no trouble obeying today. Is anyone sensing this in their heart? If you trust God with tomorrow, you'll have no trouble obeying Him today. What has God been speaking to you about? Who has He asked you to speak to, to disciple, to invest into? What has He asked you to give? Has He been inviting you to make time in His Word? Has He been nudging you to do something? Have you been constructing clever alternatives or diversions? Is it time to simply obey? That's how you live in today. Living fully present in today. Not in tomorrow where we're fearful and we're trying to work it all out. Not in yesterday where we're entitled and we're lazy and we're doing nothing now. But in today where we're present, we're alert, we're aware. God, you are in right now. This person that I'm just walking up to to have a conversation with, you're right here. You intended this moment. This job that I'm walking into today After 15 years, I'm walking in again today. You're right here. You're right here. And I'm like a treasure hunter. I'm looking for the God moment. I'm waiting on the manna that's going to sustain me right now. I'm not going to withhold and hold on to my manna for tomorrow. I know it's just for today. Tomorrow, God, you've got something else exciting for me, something else that will sustain me. You encourage today, church, to live right now, fully present, diligent, faithful, right now. And I've left our offering, our tithes and offerings to the end, because this is an exercise in obedience. Our giving of our finance is an exercise of obedience, and I make no apologies for that because God's had to work on this little heart in this area over and over again. In Corinthians, the scripture tells us, 2 Corinthians 9.10, May he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food, supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. We can trust God to supply our seed to sow and our bread to eat. Do you know he does that? He supplies your bread like he did and he supplies your seed. It's incredible. He asks you to give something he's given you anyway. And he goes, it's okay, eat your bread. God knows you have needs and he meets those needs. Be careful not to sow your bread. Hello? 
don't be giving everything away so you've got nothing left. God understands you have needs. <laughs> and He gives you bread to eat. But also don't eat your seed. Sow your seed. It also says to me that God doesn't have a problem with increase. Proverbs eleven twenty four says, There is one who scatters yet increases more who releases, who lives life with an open hand. And yet that person increases more. And there is another one who withholds more than what is right. And that leads to poverty. And what this says to me is God's not upset with increase. He actually loves increase. It's okay for you to increase. But there is a line where you can withhold more than what is right. And that leads to poverty. And this is what the Israelites were doing. They were withholding more than what was right. And what happened? It stank and it grew maggots. God provides it all for you. Don't withhold it. It's a lesson in obedience. We read right at the beginning, I'll trust, I'll test them in this to see if they'll follow my instruction, to see if they trust me. Do you trust God? Our giving and our sowing keeps money as a secondary master in our lives. And if I want to keep spiritually fit, I trust God for my bread. I trust God for my seed. Be careful not to get spiritually, emotionally and mentally overweight by eating your seed as well. Sow your seed. Sow your seed. As we receive that offering and those tithes this morning, Father God, I thank you for another opportunity to partner with heaven. Lord Jesus, to respond to your graciousness, your blessing, your gift over our lives. Father God, we, I pray this morning that we would have another, yet again, a new revelation of your divine love. Lord Jesus, Father, that those of us who are struggling, I pray that you would just minister your love this morning. Lord Jesus, such great faithfulness. You are endlessly faithful. We respond to that love this morning by sowing, by giving, by releasing. We know you've got us in the palm of your hand. I pray you would bless every single person this morning. In Jesus' mighty name, let's receive that offering.